So it's seven metres out. Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. Regan again. And Larkham. Kefu. Welcome back to another episode of the Running Rugby Podcast, episode 101. That's right, we're in triple digits now. And I'm sad to say that the game on the weekend did not quite live up to the hype that we predicted, guys. It was... It's just the curse of McDonald Jones Stadium. Like, we shouldn't... We just shouldn't let the Wallabies be playing up there anymore. Um, Arch here and join with me, as always, Leo and Toby. And Leo, got to congratulate you, mate. You called it. You thought there was going to be a low-scoring game, and you called a draw, and that's exactly what we got. 15-all, the Wallabies draw with Argentina, and it, it reopens up the Tri-Nations now, and it almost looks like New Zealand are now the front-runners, even though they've lost two games now. Yeah, well, they are, because their points differential from the flogging they gave the Wallabies in Bledisloe 3 is, is there on the board, so... They're definitely in the box seat now that everyone's tied up on six points. They've got one game remaining. We've got one game remaining. Argentina have got two, but they've still got to beat the All Blacks and and they're going to be coming back very, very hard at them in their final match because they're pretty much a shoo-in if they can put a few tries on and and get a bonus point. So what was the Wallabies' issue in this game? They got the early points. Um, They had the majority of possession in this game. They had the majority of territory. I mean, they were rocking 60% possession, 70% territory, but they just couldn't get through that Puma defense. This is like the epitome of a game of two halves. And I got really worried when it was around the 30 minute mark of the first half, we had three points, but we'd had all the momentum, all the territory. Uh, We'd been, you know, containing the Argentinians easily, but it just felt like we were using a lot of our energy uh, and a lot of our sort of capital to to do all that, and we weren't backing it up with the points. And Argentina were hanging in there, hanging in there, and just thinking these guys are going to draw energy from from the, whatever it is at half time. They've stayed in this match and come out come out feeling pretty strong and, and hoping to put points on us. And yeah, in the second half again, we we never broke in for a try. We we had to chase chase a few penalties and then. We just let them chip away at us and we threw it away at the end. So um, it's disappointing because you saw what we could do in the first half, but really we, we just should have done more to capitalise on those opportunities, put points on with penalties, um, maybe be a bit less uh, determined to score tries. Toby, was the first 20 minutes the best you've seen the Wallabies play in under Rennie's rule? Yeah, I think, Arch, to be honest, that first 20 minutes was the best in the shaft I've seen the Wallabies play across the games we've seen this year under Rennie. All these little passes were sticking. They were moving the ball so well. They looked they looked really confident. And that's why I was so encouraged that I were going to get the points on the board. And I wasn't too worried when they, you know, turned down those shots at goal and were really trying to capitalise on those opportunities because they looked like they would get over the line. Mm. but 
We've seen this before with Wallabies teams. They get a little bit carried away with scoring a try, and when they don't take those opportunities, it come, sometimes comes back to bite them at the end of the game. We saw it countless times under Checker, and I'm not sure the message is from Rennie to Hooper in terms of when to take the points and when not to. Um, and when it's, you know, is it based on momentum, you know, feel the game, or is it just based on what's on the scoreboard and how many points you should mm. get up before you go for a try? But all in all, you know, it came back to bite us this time. I'm not sure it will in every game, but, yeah, I, we we made a lot of opportunities in that first half, and to, to come away with no tries from the match is pretty disappointing. You would think that you've got to look at how the opposition are faring as well. Like, if you go into the game and say, all right, we want to score first points. If we get the toss, we're going to, you know, we're going to look to receive or whatever. Get get the early points, get a try or a penalty and just be, you know, first on the board. Just a small mental piece to start building from. Yeah. Ten, ten minutes in, 15 minutes in, the Wallabies should have been looking at Argentina going, these guys aren't doing anything. We don't need to push for tries right now. Like, just take every point we can get because we're containing them. And in not too long, we might have 9, 12, 15, even if it is all from penalties. Mm. And, you know, if you've contained them, that, that's another kind of layer of the, of the um, pressure you're building on them that they're looking at the scoreboard and they're like, geez, we're almost out two tries. We haven't been able to break out at all. And then they have to start throwing the ball around a bit more and taking more risks. Yeah. And that just builds, you know, more opportunities for the Wallabies, hopefully. Yeah, and I just thought it was a bit strange, considering what the Wallabies watched the Pumas do to the All Blacks a week before, like, kept holding them out over and over again. And, it look, they got two tries in that game, but one was in sort of, like, the 84th minute or something. Like, it was right at the end of the game. So they obviously weren't going to give up their goal line easily. So I was really surprised when we let it, let a few of those penalties go. Um, that said, though, like, it's it's a game of inches, isn't it? Um, you could have had Hunter Paisami's kick and Jordan Patea pull that ball back from the grubber in, in line and score a, would have been an unbelievable try and suddenly it's a completely different game. So it's all, it's all really hindsight, but I don't know if it was... I don't want to discourage sort of that positive idea of play. I just, I don't know if that's what I would have thought having seen what the Pumas were doing. I think we just, we had to be more mindful of how good they've been in defence. And even for me last last week before this game, I thought, you know, we have the quality there to score points and, and beat them at the end of the day. And, you know, nine times out of 10, the All Blacks would do that too. But they managed to front up defensively two weeks in a row and... Not miss too many tackles. Just stop us on those really, I don't know. It's just They, they just had the energy to, to front up over and over in that first half and prevent us scoring the big points. And then, yeah, they just turned the game a little bit with some aggression, disrupted our play. We went away from our actual plan of attack that had been still by Rennie. And, yeah, then it was just tit for tat a little bit in that second half and... They just take their points. Argentina know where they stand. They get up our end. They take the points. They did that five times. That's all they needed. So I think a draw was almost a fair result, given the performances of the teams. I think Australia is a better team overall. You know, and I think if you played 10 games, we'd win the majority of them. But the way that Argentina is playing at the moment, 
they're playing out of their skin really defensively, and so they deserve to actually get a draw at the, at the minimum. Now, we had a chat after the game, um, and one of the points you guys raised, which I'm not sure I agree with, you talked about Hodge missing that last penalty that he should have made it, and you talked about whether he is a international-class kicker that you can rely on your team. Do you guys really, having a few days to think about it, do you guys still think that he's not at that level, the same level as, I know, people, other people around the world, a Moanga, a Nick Sanchez? I, I believe that you have, you know, obviously there's a range of skills that you would consider international um, sort of kickers to sit within. Like there's really, really elite guys that barely ever miss that, you know, become basically famed for their accuracy and consistency. You have guys who have, you know, very solid, you know, that you know that they're going to miss some here and there. You just hope they're not the crucial ones. And, and I think Hodge is in that category definitely. And I don't think we have someone who's ready to play 10 for the Wallabies that's an elite kicker as well as everything else we need. Uh, I feel slightly more confident in either if we were using um, Lolaseo, if we were using James O'Connor, certainly if we were using Tamua, I think those guys are all fractionally better than Hodge. And that may be because, I mean, Hodge tends to get gifted the long-range kicks, the the hit and hope. You're the only guy who can get it down that far. Um, you know, he's not been year out, year in, year out, his team's kicker in most situations. So we haven't seen as much of him, and his percentages probably are worse because of the opportunities he's given. But I feel like, you know, he's his, his strength is in the power of his boot, not as much in the accuracy of his kicking and and. He's not far off those guys, but I think you probably expect when there's, you know, put six kicks scattered around the field, I think I would expect him to probably be one behind those guys that are doing it more regularly. It's probably the fact you can't really blame him for that, given the opportunities he's had, like you say, Leo. And I'm sure he's training, he's goal kicking, he's training, you know, week to week. He's doing it for the Rebels. Whether or not he's actually kicking on the day, I'm sure he's practicing. But there's been talk for for a long time that he struggles with with accuracy and I think we just saw that in this game he missed one and it was the most important one um, I think he's a good kicker but I don't think he's elite level and I think again it's unfair on him when often for the Wallabies he's just stepping up to take those long range efforts after not really kicking in the game consistently so it wasn't a particularly difficult kick No the conditions were were okay and like we, we expected we expected him to get it. Like we looked at, it, we said that's a that's a you know certainly within the big confidence range. Um, the only other thing I'd add to what we said, Arch, is you know Hodges played on the wing, sometimes at fullback, sometimes in the centres for the Wallabies, and I can't think of another time where he's been the preferred kicker. So he's obviously not considered to be equal or better than the guys we usually have on board. And at the moment, he's the guy we've got because there's not really anyone else. In that in that group, and I don't think he's far off, but unfortunately, you know, he's going to miss one every now and then. With six in the game, you, you wouldn't want to rely on someone to do all the work. It's just just seems like it's about that percentage. Well, That's still like an eighty-seven percent. If any, if any of those four other guys, usually you'd think would be kicking, you know, if they were starting, Harrison, Lalesio, O'Connor, Tamua, they'd all be kicking in front of him on a full-time basis if they were in the fifteen. 
let's let's not forget that he kicked five of six kicks in this game, and Sanchez right. did the exact same. Oh, he did well. We he don't did say well. he's a bad kicker, but, but he's can't just miss prone those to efforts. miss. He's prone. He's prone. I think more and, prone to miss an easy one than some of those other guys. And it is a little bit uh, unfortunate that he's now had this 2020 season where he's twice had the game-winning kick on the line um, to go ahead in a draw. Once in Wellington, once here, and he's managed to. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't really there. even. I don't even really think back to that Wellington game and think, oh, what could have been because that was such a difficult kick from distance. You know, yeah. this is a little bit different. That was a different I'll rue this line a little bit more. Because it changes the whole dynamic of the, the Tri-Nations just from that effort. Like, now it's, as we'll talk about, the All Blacks almost in the box seat. Whereas, you know, before this game, we thought, oh, there's no chance they're going to win the Tri-Nations. Now they probably will. And it all hinged on that one kick at the end of the day. Which is um, unfortunate. But I don't blame Hodgie for it. And I think... He deserves to remain at 10. I think he's done a really good job there, particularly on the fly. Like, he's had barely any time to really prepare for that role, and he's really thrived, and he's got, what, a win and a draw at 10 for the Wallabies. It's his third game ever. I think he won against Japan, so he's two out of three. So he's doing well. Having the kicking on top of all that is difficult, and I'm, I think he'll just get better and better. It's just unfortunate there's one game left in the year, and then looking forward... You know, it's probably highly doubtful that he'll be starting in the Wallabies 10 jersey come June, July next year. So before we go on and talk a bit more about Argentina and next week for them, do you think that these issues that you've brought up are enough to displace him from 10 then? Or should we be looking for someone else who's got a kicking capability to play a position in the back line otherwise? I don't think he's... I think he remains there and I think he keeps kicking. Because, like you said, he kicked five out of six. I think next time he would get that shot. I think he, he'll get better. And it's one game to go. Why disrupt, you know, that that point in the back line where you have Nick White, you have the experience of Hodge as well, Paisami and Patea still getting to know each other and getting to know the system. I just think it's too much to throw Lalesio into the mix. Um, next to Paisami, he's playing on, out of position effectively. And, okay. You know, you really do. I think it's very, very valuable, particularly in defence, having Hodge there in that channel against some of the big back row carriers of the Pumas. I think Hodge, it's a real advantage there to have him effectively smashing some of those guys. Whereas Lalesio, you'd be worried he'll miss a couple of tackles or make a break midfield. Yeah, you saw Lalesio, you know, they tried to hide him because they didn't have that confidence initially. So I'm, I'm the same. Like, as much as Hodge isn't uh you know he's not on a poster on my wall like getting getting all the star attention he's done a very good job for a guy who wasn't expecting to come in and play 10 and has had to you know just work on some some basic uh combinations and and keep things uh keep the ball moving through the hands keep the ball moving to the right players that that simplification of our game forced by having to break in another 10 I think it's been a good thing. It's it's just taken some of the complexity out, um, and I think we stick with Hodge and, and the fact that his kicking is five out of six. That's still a very good rate. I think we need to be less dependent on kicking as well. You know, we need to we need to be scoring in fives and sevens, and and not relying on penalties from all corners of the half. Looking at the rest of the team, people that you change, people that you wouldn't. I mean, you had a 
different front row this time. Obviously, Co getting the start there. Taniella started off, but through maybe a little bit of falling for the Argentinian trap, getting a little bit hot-headed, got replaced at half-time. Do you keep that front row moving forward? Yeah, well, you're not going to get slipper back. We know that. And the next man up is Angus Bell, and he's... You know he he's been solid, but he but he's not. I don't think ready to scrummage with the with the Argentinians. So really, again, I think your hands are forced um, into into keeping that same front row. I think the lineouts have been getting better. Support BPA and the second rowers by keeping them steady. And Taniella, again, we just got to keep him under wraps and and make sure he's channeling that aggression and and energy. Um, he he was he was a little bit. Like he's still quiet, but it was just the way he kind of lashed out a bit, fairly, you know, soft kind of pushes and slaps. But it just shows that he's starting to get ruffled. And the ref was straight on it. Paul Williams is running a very tight ship. He talked about with the captains how he'd mentioned beforehand we weren't going to let this get out of control. He's not going to have a bar of it. Um, there was definitely some some snippy stuff going on there. And, and Taniella just needs to keep his hands to himself. He'll be fine. I, I do wonder whether. You know, it was a mistake taking Tani Ella off at halftime. Um, for me, if he could control that aggression and not react, you know, I think he was getting under the Puma's skin, which I think is valuable. If you can control it and, and not get into a situation where you're punching someone back or, you know, because you saw that at the end of the half, like he was kind of being a bit cheeky hit. But we go back back to the question, is he? Be more valuable coming to bench late, or do you trust him early to really start the game and play 60 minutes? I'm still a little bit unsure. I think he deserves to be starting still, and I think in some ways he did well not to react more to some of the things in this game because he was effectively being targeted. I think mm. Rennie was Rennie was aware of the fact that he was a, a you know at threat of getting a yellow card in some fashion, whether it be from you know, throwing a punch or just getting penalised to the ruck or, or whatever. I think he took him off for that reason to avoid any situation where that could be exacerbated. But, um, yeah, it did have an effect because I think we lose some potency without Taniella on the field at, mm. at Tighthead. I'm still... Yeah. Like, I know Alan Alatoa is a very consistent player. He's good in defence. I just think carries-wise, we, we drop off a little bit when... Um, our, pop, our props aren't carrying as effectively and Taniella always brings good carries so I think Alatoa needs to step that up. And on top of his carries he's shown that he can throw the extra pass and, and be a bit of a link player as well which is saying that I haven't seen out of Alatoa. Yeah I think Alatoa in the past has outplayed Taniella I just think that's switched a little bit now yeah. and like C I, I feel like they're both a little bit quiet they could both be doing a little bit more and perhaps they're getting through a lot of work and it's just not as obvious things that we're seeing. But um, Taniela is a star. He just needs to really harness and focus his energy in the right ways. Other people that maybe people want to change, want to see change. I mean, six is a perennial question. Um, I don't think many people would want to change anything in our back line now. I think you've now got people like Tom Wright on the wing who looks like he absolutely belongs um, seems to have that extra sort, extra sort of ability and skill factor that I think adds really nicely to our back three as well. Is it is it six? Is that the the only other place you guys would change? Don't change the back line. I'm happy with the back line. I think 
I think it's six, to be honest. I think I'd be giving Samu another go. Yeah, what I I'm not against that. I don't know if Hannigan has to you. Has Hannigan lost the spot, or has he not got the right balance of skills to take on the Argentinians? Because I think he has been quite busy at the ruck. I think he's been a good support player to other runners. I think he's secured the ball for us and and shown some aggression. His runs haven't been, uh, or in this game, weren't breakout, but he's had those in the past now as well. And in the lineouts and scrums, he seems to be performing. I, I don't think he's letting us down. It's it's uh, Maybe it's just the fact that he's shifting into the second row and we're expecting him to play 80. Uh, maybe he's not got that in him to really compete in the set piece after 60 running around in the back row. That's probably the main thing I'd like to see if he's not there that forces them to get another second rower on the bench. I don't think he's a adequate second row replacement late in the game, forcing him to play 80 minutes in an international where he's playing six for 60 minutes, I think is, is too much to ask. I think with Swinton out of the frame, I'd really like to see Samu get another opportunity starting. And then I think it forces you because Hannigan's not there to have that, that additional second rower on the bench. I think Hosea comes into the mix. And I think Valentini, with the impact he had, has done enough to get another opportunity off the bench, if not starting. Um, he gives you that real abrasiveness off the bench. I think Samu gives you the ball-carrying abilities. He's got a good work rate when he's switched on. Um, and, yeah, I think he gives you a pretty balanced back row there. It's maybe just the line-out that would be impacted if you started Samu. But he is capable still of, of taking those line-outs. He's just not the tallest guy in the world. Do you think Valentini is that aggressive? He seems a little bit gentle giant to me. He was he was chucking people on the ground a couple of times, like almost a bit overly physical. Yeah. I, I think you're imagine right. Imagine if like, he, he ran more like Artie Sevilla, like the leg drive yeah, and the thrashing I've seen kind that, of twisting body. I, I think that's what I would like to that see a few that years ago. Like, like, where is it now? Like, because you need someone who's well, a really rollicking ball runner in that back row, and and Harry Wilson sort of hasn't maybe become that. Like, he was quite dominant in Super Rugby. He's not as dominant in, in the international scene. Um, and Hooper's yeah. not going to be doing that because just just for physical size. And if if Valentini could, like, I think that's a he massive can. weapon. Yeah, it's but just we he hasn't seen, had the minutes so. to. He's often coming yeah. on and. I think I think that's probably. the biggest thing. Every other six has got to start pretty much in this squad, um, unless you account like Liam Wright, really. Um, so is is this Valentini's chance to to get a start and see what he does with over forty minutes of play? I think I think that's fair enough, and I think he deserves that start after a pretty good performance on the weekend. I just don't want to see Hannigan be on the bench. I'd rather have. Say Valentini starting with Samu on the bench, and like I said, Hosea, mm. where you've got a better balance. Because I think Wilson can play more minutes. Enough, his knee's been troubling it, but I'd trust him to play more minutes. Um, and, you know, Samu can slot into eight if necessary anyway, so it gives you a bit of flexibility. And the other thing I think we all want to see is a little bit more of Tate McDermott off the bench late in the game. Um, yeah. As much as we do like Jake, Jake Gordon. He's not really bringing anything extra to the game. It's maybe even slowing down service a little bit compared to Nick White. Although Jake was decent in this game, perhaps a little shaky, 
But I think it's really difficult as halfback to come on late in the game where the, the game's in the balance. And you haven't had time to warm up really at all. You're just straight into it. And with with how much you're involved in the game with passing, it's so important that you're precise. And if you don't have the feel for the game straight away, I think it can be tricky. But, um, yeah, it's it's tied with the halfback spot. I think Nick White's the clear starter. And then both Tate and um, Jakey give you a lot of flexibility there coming off the bench. I was a bit um, surprised they took White as early as they did. It wasn't early, but it was still earlier than I expected. I think mm-hmm. he was still delivering what we needed. So that might have been another one where they had some regret. They, they try and squeeze a bit more out of him and leave less in Jake Gordon's hands. Because mm. White really does have such a strong influence on the game. And he doesn't tend to make a lot of mistakes. Like He can be erratic, but I feel like he's probably a bit more consistent these days than he's ever been. And... I just like the experience that he brings. He's not really ruffled by anything. He gets amongst it, doesn't quite cross the line, even though he pushes those boundaries a lot. So I think having him and Hodge there is really positive for directing the team around. But I think as we discussed, we'd probably like them to play a little bit more off nine because Mm -hmm. I think we're lacking a little bit with creativity having Hunter Paisami at 12 because he's not really a second playmaker. Yeah, and I think we didn't... I'd like to see Nick White snipe a little bit more. He sort of looked threatening a few times, but didn't really go for any holes in this game either. Looking at Argentina and looking ahead, they obviously copped a little bit more of a a few sort of injuries, a few niggles popping up in this game. Sanchez at points looked like he was ruffled. Um, You had sort of the early injection of Buffelli on, who also looked like his groin was a bit sore. Um, So they may be a little bit under the weather coming up for their third game in three weeks. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting to see if they can still keep up this intensity considering they've got two more games over the next two weeks. What do you guys foresee coming this weekend against the All Blacks? Uh, I'm still of the opinion that we're waiting. The All Blacks, that, that kind of reaction is coming. But I thought it would be against the Pumas in the first game. I think they may have underestimated the Pumas going into that game and thinking, well, we should get a win here and we'll be back on track somewhat. And they took it for granted and they, they lost by 10. So there won't be a surprise anymore. They've had two weeks to prepare for this. They'll get healthy. I think this is the last game of the year for them. So out there for blood. And I see a lot of points in this game. Whether the Argentinians can actually score some tries and keep up with the All Blacks, that remains to be seen. But... I feel like are going to punch through that that defensive line. It's the third game in a row for Argentina in you know the space of two weeks, effectively. So I'm backing the All Blacks to to go out there and and win well and put themselves in a position to take out the Tri Nations trophy. Yeah, I agree. the The All Blacks will have some very very simple. Uh, targets in mind that they need to win, they need to win big, they need to get a bonus point, just put it all out of contention for anyone else. You know, a, a big win does most of the work, but they can still get gazumped by a bonus point. And so that's, you know, that, and they don't really have to do that much more than what they've been doing because they've been holding most teams out from scoring a lot of tries and they, they have the capacity to put them on themselves. I think the third week in a row for the Argentinians after two very intense and I mean, the most recent wasn't as historic, but it was still an important win, and there's going to be some 
sort of post-adrenaline fatigue setting in, I, I would imagine, and the All Blacks, I think, will ca- uh, capitalise on that. Where? Uh, Nick Nick Berry's running this game as well, <laughs> which I think probably plays into the hands of the All Blacks because if they yeah. manage him well and, and, <laughs> so, and don't give him a reason to go to the pocket, the Argentinians might be the ones who get ruffled and, and can't get talked around. Where is the place to attack Argentina, though? They haven't really shown a lot of weakness over the last two weeks. Is it just running them around, or what? It's it's exactly what the Wallabies did, but didn't capitalise on. So we we drew them in through the middle, and then we and then we swung the ball wide, and we just didn't quite break around the edges. And the All Blacks are, I mean, they're just elite at exactly that. They can send the ball from edge to edge through the hands reliably, quickly, with flat runners. Um, much better than us on their day, unfortunately, and and that's exactly the formula. It's it's just traditional, old-fashioned rugby. It's it's numbers numbers through the middle, cross the gain line, suck them in, get them out of position, and go around them. And the All Blacks, depending on who they pick, if they if they pick for more speed, I don't know. If, I don't think McKenzie's done enough to try and break into the the starting lineup, but. Um, you know, if they maybe Rico comes back in, like they've got a lot of pace in that group. There'll be holes all over the place when they start running their lines. So I don't think mm. it's anything too crazy. I think it's just like rinse and repeat, same thing. It's, it's It has worked against the Argentinians last week with us. We just didn't really take our final chances when we got the got them out of position. I think just earning the right to go through the middle initially and, you know, like you say, if you want to go wide and beat them side to side, I think that can that can come later. But if, in some ways, I think the Wallabies played a little bit too deep and tried to go wide early and it didn't quite... It wasn't as potent, I think, as it, it should have been. But the All Blacks moved the ball probably even, you know, they, they moved the ball more effectively side to side than the Wallabies and quicker. And... Um, yeah, if they throw in some of those little kicks from Moanga, I think um, there's going to be tries in this game. There has to be. <clears throat> I don't think Argentina can continue to deny a team like the All Blacks that has so much attacking flair. I don't think they're going to keep them trialless. I think there's going to be a few in this game. And, yeah, things might have to open up. Whether Sanchez is there is a huge question mark. And without him, I'm not sure the Pumas do have a chance, to be honest. Um, but... Yeah, don't we'll like, have to wait to don't see like the selections the old, back. Um, Domingo Miotti, the old star of oh, he's the fine. He's a fair step down from, from Nico Sanchez, who's been in tremendous form. Mm. And you saw Cabelli, I think, you know, he didn't start this game. He hurt himself out. in the warm-up or something. Um, so taking away Cabelli and the experience of Nico Sanchez, if they're both out, yeah, I think that's, that's a huge a problem step. for them. Spinning that question around, though, where do you think the weaknesses are in this All Blacks team that has lost two games in Mm. a row? First, do you think there are any? Are they sort of position-wise and selection issues, or is there some other sort of inherent weakness that they're showing? I think think they're still very strong across the board, no particularly weak players. The, The way the Argentinians beat them, they just, again, stayed in touch, defended massively the all blacks would have been like us last week they would have been thinking tries you know scoring in sevens didn't didn't get those opportunities and and the argentinians with their relentlessness over the ball took the ball away at different times 
just just didn't didn't give them the chance to capitalise. So um, the the game got out of hand for the All Blacks um, because they just kept trying the same thing and didn't recognise what was in front of them, which was a really tight defensive unit that wasn't going to concede tries. They just need to have confidence that their pace of play um, and and their own ruck work maybe like they've got to be less vulnerable at the ruck, particularly when they're pushing up hard at the line. But like, there's very little they need to work on aside from just you know stay stay heads in the game and take points when they're on offer and don't get don't get too greedy too early. I think points the, the big points come later. You've got to make sure you wear them down and get the scoreboard pressure going early against these Argentinians. I still think there's question marks over Sevilla and Kane making up that back row. I think going to a bigger number eight like Hoskins, I think could be a good option for them to complement Frizzell, who we know is physically dominant. I think he needs to work on his ball carries a little bit. I think we're lose, they're losing that a little bit at, at six, but defensively he could be turning into a bit of a Jerome Kano-like character. And then you got Barrett at 15, who again, I'm not sure we're completely convinced of that on a full-time basis. It looked better in those middle two Bledisloe games, but... Yeah, I'm. I'm still thinking. Is there a better option there at 15? Probably not at the moment. I don't think having Geordie at 15 makes it any more enticing. I think Geordie on the wing and Bowden at fullback still works, and Richie obviously in the front line there at 10. You want him in, but yeah, there's not much I would change of this team. I just that's why I expect a, a real bounce back here because I don't think they're lacking anything really. It's just they're not performing to the level that they normally do. It may surprise you, but there are four changes I would make to this team because I think that they're making some errors that even Australia is, has been guilty in recent past of making. And one of the things is playing people out of position. And I think that's partly comes into the fact that they now want Geordie on their field, but I don't think Geordie is as explosive and giving them as much as having some of their out-and-out wingers on the field even as someone like Rico. I think if he'd be better off playing at fullback, unless you're going to keep Bowden there. The second thing, I still don't see Jack Goodhue as an effective 12. I don't see him as an effective second five. I don't understand why they're persevering when Anton Leonard brown has shown timely time again that he is a capable second um, playmaker at 12. Like, why have you not swapped them around? I don't understand that. Two others. I'm not not being impressed with what Shannon Frizzell has done on the international stage. I think he's not really shown a lot. I think they'd be much better suited moving Artie back to six because he's still doing his explosive runs. And you're right, putting Hoskins to two, two at eight. And the other person is get Dane Coles out of starting. Like he's he's obviously taken one too many blows to the head, and he's always about five seconds away from giving away a penalty or throwing a punch and getting carded. Sure, he's fine for late in the game when things get a bit open because he's going to chill out wide and he's going to be that extra set of hands and he's going to end up scoring a try. But surely, surely you have a better option with Cody Taylor at uh, two there as well. Thoughts? More stable. More stable. I, I like I all of that. I, 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 like, I don't know honest, about like, Frizzell. I, 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 I haven't seen underrated. Frizzell either. No, but that's what I'm saying. His carries haven't been there, but I think everything else has. 
But you said that Artie's have, and you wish he was carrying harder like Artie and get Hoskins. Exactly what Archie said. You could put Artie Severe at six and run Satutu at eight and then bring Shannon Frizzell on later if, you, you, if you want to. I think then you just, you're, you're playing a very attacking back row. I think in defense, that's going to be lacking a little bit. Oh, I don't know. I think Kane is <clears throat> and holding up his defense. It's, it's the same problem that we had with Pocock and Hooper. That's what they're doing by playing Artie at number eight. But I yeah. think he can be perfectly good coming on second half, 20, 30 minutes. Um, until, you know, because Sam Kane's been playing too well. You can't drop him. He's the captain. And there were doubts over him before. But I think they've been kind of extinguished to fed, apart from maybe the way he's managed the press and the public's expectations of the team. Um, I think on the field, he's been great. Um, one other, I mean, I don't disagree with what Archie said. I think they're, they're all things they should be looking at. Um, because like, like you said with Geordie, his best position is 15. Because you're trying to fit Bowden in out of position, you're pushing him to the wing. So you're making another issue for yourself. Um, <clears throat> one other thing I would say is the props, I think, need to be better. And there's been a fair bit of rotation through there. I'm still not sure what their best you know, two props are. I guess it's it's probably Tunga Fussy and, and Joe Moody still. Yeah. But they've Often been rotating those through. Lot. Yeah. It's a it good play, though. It be a target in the scrums. But if you're playing Terrell Lomax and people like that, I don't think they should be starting for the All Blacks. To be honest. It was like Tarvau a little bit where I'm not quite convinced by them. I think at the moment... They need to solidify their props. And I think it's fair enough to say Dane Coles shouldn't start against the Pumas. He's too much of a liability, perhaps. Yeah, so, like, Offer has been, seems to be the uh, copying the brunt of the all-black scrum penalties, which is, on the, on the front row, I can't really say if that's justified. Some mm-hmm. of the stuff's pretty 50-50 from what I can tell. Um, but if he's, got a, if he's got a reputation just for the recent games, um, you know, that that's a problem. I don't know if you try and recover that in the last game of the season or if they're worried that um, Nick Berry or, or the sideline officials are going to just keep that in mind from, from previous games. Uh, I definitely think Cody Taylor is good enough to start. I think, I don't know, the the, the um, Goodhue question is like, he's like the only bit of vanilla in your back line. Like everyone else... I think he's elite. Yes, they're playing a couple of people out of position, but Goodhue just kind of sticks out to me as just a, a feel doesn't doesn't sort of um, explode like all the other guys seem to at different times. It does seem weird that they keep playing him at twelve, but but like I said, maybe that I think I said before, like he's played behind Crotty and out, out at thirteen. Maybe they think they need to develop. A twelve, you, you never know. Maybe Anton Leonard Brown actually likes playing thirteen more than twelve, and they don't trust anyone else at the moment. They've played Lamapi there, and he's been pretty much silent the two times he's had a go. So mm. that's not looking like a solution either. And he's a specialist twelve. Um, you you don't have that, to. This is what I feel like with the Wallabies. You don't have to stack the problem. Yeah, you don't have to stack every position with the most exciting, high potential person. Sometimes you just need a linking player, and that's what I feel like Hodge is for us. That's what I feel like Goodhue might be for them. It's a it's a necessary linking player who who will do things at a pretty good rate, but you know you, you're not going to expect them to blow the game open because if you keep pe- picking people like that, 
who have up and down high potential uh you know low output games then it can be really dysfunctional and i think he's just he's just filling that space at the moment it's the start of the cycle for them they're they're just letting it play out and giving him a a good go and maybe he won't stick around just to remind you guys Tonga Farsi is actually banned till next year now after his red card anyway so that's why they started Lomax um, last week in the game. Mm. But it's really, it's really, they're kind of stuck between having um, either Lomax there or. Um, Nepal. La la la. Yeah, Nepal la la la. So they're not, they're not, as you say, they've got a huge amount of depth there on the um, tight head side anyway. Prediction for the game Toby thinks they're going to get smashed. I think they're going to get smashed. Three to five points less than Toby does. <laughs> so I'm hoping they don't get that bonus point try. Just the margins in this, like for the table, it's just really frustrating given the points differences there and the the amount that the All Blacks really, you know, it'd be comfortable to get the bonus point, but even if they just win well without that. The margin's going to be put a lot of pressure on the 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 permas or the wallabies in the last game that they'll need to win by a bonus point. So, either way, I mean, I'd I'd like to see it a non-bonus point win so that that last game is almost a bit more open for the Argentinian and wallabies players. Absolutely, I think either way it makes for a very exciting last two weeks of this Tri Nation um, competition. Very much, it's every game has completely changed what the outlook's been, and the, I know the betting odds have been going all over the place um, in the last couple of weeks as well. Before we head up north to your neck of the woods, Tobes, and have a look at the Autumn Nations Cup, we'll just remind everyone to make sure you are following us on Instagram and Twitter at Running Rugby Podcast or at Running Rugby Pod. That's where you get to see the latest news and make your predictions on these games as well before they come along. But games on the weekend, we had England asserting their dominance over this Irish team with a bit of a standout performance from Johnny May. Two tries in that one. Georgia and Wales. Wales did get the win, but it was a scrappy old one for them. Georgia still yet to score a point uh, in this competition, but definitely May must Wales must be a bit worried sort of going ahead from that game, looking to face England next week. And we also had... Scotland, France. And France France clinched that one. It was pretty neck and neck for a lot of the game. Um, trading penalties and the like. But France did probably look the better team, even though they were missing their their starting fly half. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Scotland improving. I think, you know, Wales are definitely the team to be worried about. And Pivac finally got a win. But yeah, France, exciting team to watch. Scotland, somewhat on the up. England looking quite dominant. Ireland still, I think, looking a little bit old there and, and probably a team in transition or soon to be in transition because I think they don't quite have the potency they once had. And there's a few guys hanging on there that, that maybe need to be moved on. And that brings us to next week and like the Fiji and Italy game the Scotland Fiji game has been cancelled already I think we did mention that last week as I highlighted Wales are hosting England uh, which looks like it's going to be a bit of a blowout and France uh, hosting Italy 
over there in Paris, which would be good, and Georgia continue. They've got a really hard pool that they're going up against England and Ireland um, within sort of two to three weeks of each other. So that's in Dublin, Ireland versus Georgia on Sunday. Remember, you can watch all those games on Amazon Prime. Not a sponsor. It's a hashtag, not a sponsor. Boys, do you have anything else to leave us with before we sign things off and we get ready for a weekend of rest for, you know, your Wallabies jerseys? But we've got to be hoping that the Pumas pull out something against the All Blacks to keep Australia in it. Do you reckon another draw? Leo, are you doing it? No, I don't think it'll happen. But, I'll put the Wallabies uh, in the box seat. Yeah, it'll be the opposite to this week. Tip a draw and feel terrible when it happens. Uh, I'll be tipping a big win for the All Blacks, but feeling great if a draw happens. Well, we might just leave it there. Uh, obviously, we will be back next week. We will revert to our similar showtime of Thursday evening just so we can have a look at the team lineups before we bring you that preview, as well as a review of all the games from this coming weekend. Make sure you have pressed that subscribe. Comment if you think that anything we've said is wrong or you want to have your say on who you think Rennie should be swapping out for the last Wallabies game of the season. Remember that we're all available on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, and you can contact us through those social media accounts as well. But for now, keep on running. Run.